Jace Da, how we doing? Welcome to podcast number 18. Hope you're all doing well. Uh, it's been a bit coosier in Weybridge this week, and um, in fact, we have had a little bit of snow. Not so much up here, but um, we did have an early funeral down at Penmount uh, beginning of the week, and on the news it was saying that the roads around Truro were quite bad. And of course, we were heading that way, and uh, we left early just to make sure that all was well. Uh, luckily, uh, the roads, the main roads, had all been gritted, and when we got on the St. Colin Bypass, from then on, right the way down to Truro, the fields, well, it was like a, a picture from a Christmas card. It looked lovely, and I did actually take a couple of photos after our service of the snow down at Penmount, which I did put on our work Facebook page but while we was going up um, West Hill on the way out of town it did remind me of yet another snow story so I'm going back quite a few years here now I was still living home at Glen Road at the time and was the early hours of the morning I think about two three o'clock and we had a phone call to say could we come to Elmsley Road in Wadebridge where somebody had passed away and father would have said no problem so um we obviously got out of bed and um and when we got outside twasn't quite as straightforward as we thought because during the night we'd had very heavy snow now i can't remember at the time whether we was keeping our removal vehicle in the garage down at fair park for for a few years we rented the garage there off alston and philip jewell or it might have been, we had a galvanised garage before that um, over Bridge End next to Macmillan Solicitors. Now that's been built on, there's four flats there now. So it was one of those two places. So um, I know me and father had to gingerly walk down Glen Road, which was just, to say, covered in snow, to get to the car. Driving up West Hill, that was no problem at all because the gritters had been out and that was fine. But when we got to the junction with Elmsley Road, there was no way we could drive down there. It was just solid snow. So we had to park the car there at the junction. We've um, got our stretcher out and um, the two of us, again, gingerly walked down to the house and the family were really pleased that we were able to get there uh, and then we were able to carry back up to the car up to the junction and safely head back to our chapel of rest again and all was well. So I was wondering what I'd talk about this week and I was thinking that while it was still fairly fresh in my mind perhaps I would talk about um, living and working through COVID-19. So being as old as I am um, in the past 40 years there had been a couple of times before where we'd had government memos come through and um, we were also in the National Association of Funeral Directors and also SAFE which is for the independent family funeral directors like ourselves and they would be sending memos through as well about possible pandemics and each time nothing thankfully ever really occurred so when COVID-19 was being mentioned 
I was a bit sceptical at first and thought this would be a similar sort of case. However, this time, fairly early on, I was getting the sense that perhaps it would be different this time, with Trelisk um, increasing the size of its mortuary and the local airport to us having a hangar which was converted into a temporary mortuary, it was sounding a bit more serious than perhaps I first thought. And then as things did progress, and then with the government announcements all the time of isolating and everything, things started to get a little worrying. We didn't know at that time quite how serious it would be, so you obviously worried about your family and your friends, and also our staff. And then the added problem that if we were busier, um, the strict isolation uh, rules were coming in. And I was thinking, well, if we're busy, but then half of our staff are home isolating, how on earth are we going to cope? And also, obviously, they were telling people that perhaps were a little more vulnerable to uh, isolate and keep home, perhaps those over 70, and of course half of our work staff are over 70, and the ones that are under 70 actually do look as though they're in that age. So it was a bit concerning. So I decided we had to make drastic measures. So what happened was um, I had our office staff, Julia and Sue, coming in different days so that they didn't meet at all. And during the pandemic, we weren't actually allowed to visit families or see them face to face. So all arrangements had to be done over the phone. So me two arrangers at the time was Tara and Claire. So they was working from home. Um, Char obviously was just coming in as and when I needed him. So the only ones that was in every day was me and Days. Uh, when someone passed away... We were limited by the staff we had as to who would go to bring the deceased back into our care. And I always tried to make sure that I would go because uh, I never expect any of my staff to do anything that I wouldn't do. And it was just a case of going into the house and obviously not staying for very long at all and then coming away again. And I think that was one of the, the worrying things because there was a risk that you could catch COVID from the deceased person in the first day or two. But also there was a very high risk that if you went into a house where the person perhaps had died with COVID, there was a good chance that the relatives that were in that house also had it. So you were mixing with them and all the time you were just worried would you actually catch it as well? And also, nursing homes and care homes, they had to be so careful as well. So if we had to go there, obviously we would be tested all the time. We would have to wear our masks, our gloves, our aprons. And yeah, it was very worrying. And also on a side note, um, during that time, dear old father was up some Brioc and it was horrible that you couldn't go to visit your relatives. And I know Father even had a birthday up there when none of us was uh, allowed to go and see him. But um, the staff, they did send us a photo anyway. They was all there, all kitted up with their masks and everything, but um, giving Father his birthday cake. 
So that was the first change, really. The the initial contact you had with families, you know, it, it was so it almost felt impersonal, really, and having to arrange the funerals over the phone. And then the next regulations came in where you were only limited to perhaps 10 or a dozen people going to the funeral. And you can imagine that this was very distressing for families at the start of the pandemic. Um, I can remember one family that we dealt with where we had the partner's funeral in church a few years before, and we had to reserve seats for over 80 family. So then how do you cut down just to 10 or 12? And they basically just had one child and one grandchild from each part of the family attend the funeral. Initially, the thought would be with a lot of families, well, we'll just have a small private funeral now to tie in with the regulations. And then in a few months time, we'll have a memorial service. But sadly, the pandemic carried on a lot longer than that. And I think we we hardly had any memorial services afterwards because families had felt that time had just gone on too far. Other restrictions that come in was that you weren't allowed to have any singing at the service. And initially, we weren't allowed to provide our limousines either. Um, Later on in the pandemic, when the regulations were eased a little, if you had a hygiene screen between the family and the driver, then you were allowed to use your limousine. So we've got two limousines. So we got the hygiene screens, which at least later on, that was one thing that the families could use again. You weren't allowed to have services in church. So we either had cremations, we were straight at the crematorium, or for burials, the services took place at the graveside. Now, I have to admit, there is something special about having a graveside service in the middle of the countryside. The birds are singing, um, as long as the weather's nice. And right the way through the pandemic, I think every graveside service we had, it never rained once. The weather was good. So that was one thing in our favour. And some cemeteries were that worried that there would be a rush of graves needed that they actually got their grave diggers to dig oh, 10, 20, whatever graves just in case so that they were all ready. And graves or cemeteries rather that were short on space were contacting neighbouring cemeteries in neighbouring towns and villages just to say, look, we may need to be burying some of our residents in your cemeteries. But thankfully, none of that was ever needed. One good thing that did come out of the pandemic was with the use of technology, live streaming the services over the internet so that for all those that couldn't make the service, they could at least be sitting at home watching the service take place. As you weren't allowed to attend funerals, um, people were trying to think, well, how do we pay our respects? And, of course, you were allowed out every day just to do a bit of exercise. So what became the norm would be that when we put our announcement either on the newspapers or on our Facebook page and our website, we would actually say that um, the cortege would be leaving 
the person's house at a certain time so that friends and neighbours then, while they were out, they could line the streets just as we're heading off to go to the churchyard cemetery or to the crematorium. And I have to admit, this became quite a moving experience. And also, I walked quite a few miles over those few years. For example, we had a few funerals in Padstow, where we left the house and en route we went down around the quay and people would line in the streets and then we came into the square there where the maypole would be on May Day and we would stop the hearse and the family would get out of their cars and there would be people everywhere and we'd open the back of the hearse and there would be a couple of Padstonians there playing the accordions and I tell you what, that was quite moving. Again, in Port Isaac, we would go right down to the bottom of the village there by the quay, by the plat, and people would be everywhere. And then we would, I would walk up in front of the hearse again and go right up through the village, and um, it was a good way for people to pay their respects. Here in Wade Bridge, we would come along Eglisale Road after going through the town, and we'd turn into the Camels Rugby Club, and I say there would be people stood all around the car park there and we'd go over by the clubhouse and sometimes the shipwrecks were there and they would do a rendition of the White Rose or Cornwall My Home or something like that and then we would head off to the crematorium. Like I said earlier, I did walk quite a few miles in front of that earth um, over that time and pretty much it was, you know, safely done. But there was two or three times when the hearse did get a little bit close and it, the bumper did actually touch the back of my leg. And funnily enough, every time it was the same driver, and I ain't going to spill the beans and give you his name, but I'll, I'll give you a couple of clues. I'll say his, his first name's Charlie and he originates from Grogley, but I obviously can't say no more than that. Well, our dear friend Mike Ford... Um, he did hear about this and obviously being a paramedic over many years and concerned about my safety, he came up with a solution and he went on to eBay and he bought a top hat and a clip-on mirror. So what happened was I would then be able to walk in front of the hearse and carry in my hat and then get in the mirror to see how close Charlie was getting. Well, I... I never actually did use it, but it was a lovely thought. I have still got it overwork, actually, so next time I'm overwork, perhaps over the weekend, I'll take a photograph and perhaps I'll put it on my Facebook page so you can see Mike's wonderful invention. Just before the restrictions came in initially, um, we had a dear friend who passed away and we had everything penciled in it was going to be a service in Padstow Church, and I would imagine there'd be four or five hundred people there or more. A very popular farmer in the area. But we did hang on and held fire because we knew that this announcement was coming from the government. And sure enough, they announced that um, restrictions or wouldn't be the proper funerals would be allowed and that numbers would be restricted to about 12. So I spoke to the family and explain the situation to say that we weren't allowed in church and that only about 12 mourners were allowed. 
So they had to think and they rung back and, well, my heart sunk. The conversation went along the lines of, David, we've had to think about it. We're going to have the service and we're expecting about 212 mourners to be there. Well, as you can imagine, I started panicking. But then the conversation went on that um, we were going to have the service in one of their fields and there would actually be 12 of the family there, but also in the field would be 200 of his father's cows. And what a relief that was to me, I tell you. So on the day of the funeral, we went to the farm. I think from memory, it was a Saturday afternoon and we unloaded the coffin from the hearse onto the back of a trailer towed behind a tractor and we left the farm and headed off to the field. Now, also, the family had a kind of a digger and they had a piano which they put in the bucket of the digger and we went into the middle of the field and the piano had been laid down so that um, one of the grandchildren could play the piano and as I say, it was such a magical experience. The weather was lovely. Everything was fine. Um, but as the service went on, I did notice that the cows were getting braver and braver. And before long, I started getting nudged in the back, which was uh, quite an experience, I tell you. And then when the service had finished, we started to head off to the cemetery but before we did, I did manage to take a selfie with a couple of the cows. And that is the picture that you can see on the front of the podcast when you open it up. And um, that's one day that I'll never forget. Another memory I have from that time, which did turn out to be quite funny, really, was that um, we had a, a private service because, as I say, you weren't allowed to have um, outside of the immediate family people there. But um, we had a private service in at the crematorium at Bobman from a lady in Wadebridge that I'd known all my life. Um, one of her daughters was in my year at school. And again, when we left the house, coming along the road, all the friends and neighbours were lining the streets. And it was, uh, again, a very moving experience. So then... When we approached Bobman, to obviously we have to go through Bobman to get to the crematorium, I did look and all, all around you could see the streets were lined again with people, some of them with football scarves on, a lot of them were a younger generation and it became obvious to me that they were waiting for a hearse to come along. And sure enough, when we got down to go past Bobman Church, there were the cones outside ready for the hearse to arrive. And it was, well, I didn't know how to react, to be honest. We was there going past what was the cat and fiddle and people started cheering, clapping. And I thought normally I perhaps would react. I'd just put my hand up to acknowledge. And I thought, then clapping at the wrong hearse, what do I do? And I heard people say, I can't remember the, the chap's name now, but wishy well Bob or whatever it was and then somebody else said hang on that's not him and some realized that it was the wrong hearse but others didn't and I looked in the mirror as we went off and some people were actually starting to turn around to go because they thought they'd paid their respects 
And when we got to the crematorium, my family, I mean, they, they just couldn't believe it. And they said mother would have absolutely loved that. But um, yeah, that was one experience as well that I'll always remember. I think one side effect from COVID-19 was the introduction of funerals where nobody attended, as we call them, direct funerals. And they became more popular over that time. And to be honest, we we still do conduct two or three funerals a week like that. We we go to our local crematorium here in Bodmin, say, half past eight in the morning, and no one attends. And I do wonder if, if, if COVID never happened, whether they would have come quite as popular as that. Registration was another thing that changed through COVID, where um, normally the family would go to the doctors to pick up the death certificate and then make an appointment to go to the registrar. And during the pandemic, all of that changed. Um, the doctor would email the death certificate to the registrar, which they still do today. That's one good thing that's come from the pandemic. And then registration would be done over the phone. Now, that's changed now. Families now do have to go back to actually going to the registrar but um, I know dear father, he passed away during the pandemic. It was later on. Restrictions had been lifted a little bit. But um, when we did the registration, um, I was at Mother's and we actually did it over the phone. Likewise, with his funeral, as I said, restrictions were being lifted. So we were allowed, I think it was up to 100 maximum in the church. So we we had a few in church. We had uh, quite a few outside. We had the PA system outside for Father's funeral. And then people lined the streets from their house here um, all the way to the church. And also we set up a live web stream as well so that people could watch it live. We did have a bit of a problem because the Wi-Fi in Eglisale here in the church's non-existence, so we were doing it over 3G and 4G, and I think just before the first M, it actually crashed. So Chris that was doing it, he frantically got onto another network, and I think there's about four or five minutes of the service that went missing, but he did record it all on another device, and that evening we were able to upload the whole service. I think it's still on our website now, actually, of Father's Funeral, and um, so we did get around it that way. But I have to admit, down here in Cornwall, we were very lucky in the early stages. We we did dodge it a lot. Um, tragically, there were a few people that did pass away from COVID. There were lots of people that passed away with COVID that perhaps, you know, died from something else. But um, people were saying to me at the time, cool, I bet you flat out. And... Um, it was completely the opposite. We were so lucky. Um, we dodged COVID. The natural death rate was down. And that first year of COVID, well, that was the quietest year we'd had for about 10 years. And to be honest, it was a relief because at the beginning of it, we were worried as to exactly what would happen. I know up country, things were a lot different in some areas. And we had friends who were funeral directors up there that were just telling us that the mortuaries were just full to capacity with people that had passed away from COVID. So we were very lucky down here. And now a few years on, 
We've still obviously living with COVID, but things have returned pretty much to normal. I must admit, I don't think numbers attending funerals has got back to what it was before. I still think perhaps some people are are wary and they're a little worried. Um, We're still having quite a lot of services are live streamed for people from away or abroad that can't watch the service. And I say the registration service has eased a little bit. So there's a few things that have changed since the pandemic. So I think that's about it for this week. I think I'll just finish with me word of the week or words. One which uh, phrase which most of us know down here, which is Kerno Bisviken, which means Cornwall forever. So I think I'll finish with that one for this week. Hopefully speak again next week. I'm thinking about getting me marathon run in now. But um, speak to you again. Wish you well. Do Guinness.